Would you join me in prayer this morning? Uh, Father, today we thank you for uh, our time already and uh, our Bible study time. Father, we thank you for our time of worship today. And Father, in this time, um, as we begin a new year and uh, really a new day, I believe, in our church, I pray that you would, uh, well, Father, we humble ourselves before you. And we pray that you would speak to our hearts today. And Father, I pray that as we hear and your spirit speaks to us, uh, that Father, you would give us not only faith, but you would also give us obedience. And so, Father, we trust that to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Uh, this morning, I want to share with you uh, my heart and what's on my mind. And um, I, I will actually tell you at the start of this that I have printed out my sermon notes and they're on the front rails. Um, and so after the sermon, you can come and get that. So if you miss something, uh, you'll know you can get a copy of that. I didn't want you reading ahead in my sermon and leaving early. You know, it's like, well, I've already read through it and I've got it and I'm going to move on from here. Um, there's a couple things I want to say at the very beginning. First, I believe that the greatest days are ahead for Huntington First Baptist Church. Um, I believe that God has brought us to a place where we are positioned as a church for God to do a greater work than he has ever done before. There are several indicators of this, but um, from our surveys, from our statistics, um, it's a pretty strong conclusion that we as a church have a healthy foundation but I also believe because of that, it is time for us to build and to reach beyond that. I believe that God desires to do a greater work in us in the days ahead. I am struck. I've come back to this scripture so many times in the last several months as I have thought and prayed about uh, what we talk about today. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, at the end of Paul's prayer for the Ephesian Christians, the church, he says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love that statement. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we would ever ask or think. Not only does God desire to do a greater work in us, God is able to do a greater work in us. I believe that God's plan for our church is God-sized. And for us to settle for anything less is to come up short of what God would want. In fact, for us to not respond in faith to what God wants to do is going to be detrimental to the future of our church. I believe today marks a new day. 
It is not just a new year or a new decade. I believe the time is now for us to move into the future that God has for us. I believe for us to be able to move forward, there must be a fresh vision of what God wants to do in our midst. And that we, as a family, church family, we must be, we must respond to that in faith, but we must be unified together in that fresh vision for us to see God do all that he wants. For us to be unified, we must be fully engaged and committed as we've never been before to what God wants to do. And what I know is there is incredible power when God's people are unified. As a part of um, a fresh vision, it is necessary for us to have a sense of direction. We need a statement of direction. You can call it a purpose statement, a mission statement. But for us to be unified and moving forward to where God wants us to be and what he wants to do, there needs, we need a compass. In fact, if you look at our graphic, uh, the graphic is of a road. And in the foreground of that vision, you can see the road. And that's what's right in front of us. But often, off in the distance, uh, there is a mountain. There is a destination that really you can't make out as clearly as you would want. And obviously from the, the picture, the graphic, we're not there yet. Uh, we need to have a compass that tells us how do we take this road to the mountain that God has for us. Uh, it needs to be a clear, concise, compelling, and customized statement of purpose that gives us direction. Uh, we've been working on this for some time, several months, um, and the staff, we spent some grueling hours hashing through words and verbiage and thoughts and images and um, I believe that the statement of purpose the compass that gives us the direction to go where God wants us to go is this we as a church exist to connect the disconnected to Christ his church and his cause we exist to connect the disconnected to Christ, his church, his cause. Um, I want that statement to sink into your minds and hearts beginning today. It is our statement of purpose. It is what will give us direction. 
in the years to come to say, where are we heading? What are we about? We are about connecting the disconnected to Christ, his church, his cause. Uh, there's a reason for each one of those words, but I believe uh, it's a relatively concise statement. It's something that even after this morning and this sermon, you ought to be able, if I ask you on the street, why do we exist? Well, pastor, we exist to connect the disconnected to Christ, his church, and his cause. Uh, it's, it's a concise yet clear uh, I believe in the days to come it will be a compelling statement that gives us passion for what we're about. I believe it's customized that each one of those words is significant. Uh, if I had to shorten it, if there was just a little catchphrase, it would be connecting people to life. I believe that the fullness of life, according to this statement is to know the fullness of a relationship with Christ uh, within relationships the encouragement the strength and the growth that we receive within the church that then sends us out to be busy about Christ's cause of building his kingdom and sharing the gospel with a world that is disconnected to him connecting people to life and what I mean by that is the fullness of life that we find in church and in Christ first, lived out in the church, and then out, living out his cause. Uh, you know, philosophically the statement starts, though, with what we experience in our lives. And the word that we have chosen to describe that is the disconnected. Those that are disconnected to Christ and or his church and or his cause I would contend today that the majority of people that we encounter in our mission field of Huntington Texas to one extent or another are disconnected to Christ and or his church and or his cause I believe as we have studied our community uh, that cultural Christianity is the norm in the area in which we live. The average person we encounter experiences their religion within cultural Christianity. And quite honestly, that includes us to some extent that are here in this room today. I believe that people can be disconnected to Christ by either not being saved but if we were to ask them they would say oh yes I'm a Christian but not genuinely saved or it's possible that people can be disconnected to Christ by maybe even being saved but not living in a daily relationship with Christ that he would desire I believe that people are disconnected to the church many times there may be some that would as you go through those three uh, Christ church and cause they would say no I, I'm a Christian I've been maybe even I've been born again um, and I'm seeking to live with him daily but have disconnected themselves to being fully involved and engaged and committed 
to the local church, which is the biblical mandate and the way that Christ set up uh, his kingdom. I believe that people are disconnected to the church in many respects by taking the church for what they want and what is not necessarily needed in their Christian experience. I believe also that people are disconnected to his cause to many extents uh, by quite honestly living their life as they want, doing their own thing, and simply fitting God into the life that they want to live. Um, the starting point for us in this room and for us as a church family is that we need a complete, full connection to Christ, His church, and His cause. Uh, we need a full connection to the gospel because the message of the gospel is not only that Jesus came to save me of my sins and yes, I must be born again, but that establishes a relationship that I live in daily. The gospel is not just fire insurance for me to avoid hell and to get to heaven, but the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to give his life, yes, to take away my sins and the effect of what that means in eternity. But it also means that I am now established a relationship with him that I am to be walking in daily. It means that I am to be, the gospel communicates that I am to be connected uh, to the fellowship of believers, whether that is here or someplace else, and that I am to give myself in commitment, involvement, in, in participation, giving, uh, in that church family that I might be encouraged and I might grow and I might uh, be given avenues to serve. The fullness of the gospel, it doesn't even stop, stop there. It's, it's beyond salvation. It's, a, it's beyond a daily walk. It's beyond commitment and life in the church. It is about the gospel was then that Jesus Christ came to save me. And then he sends me out on his mission, his cause. That I would give my life, my time, my energy, my talents for the building of his kingdom, and that other people, even as we've studied in our life group today, that other people might come to know the same Jesus that I know. The impact must start with us in the fullest sense of that impact. In fact, if I were to give you a picture, an imagery, uh, if I was to, to say, here's your visual, uh, it would be it would be the visual of the ripple effect. Uh, we went out to Sam Rayburn one day that there wasn't any wind and it's just the water's just still. And we began to take rocks and just throw them in. You know what happens when a rock hits that water? It makes an impact. And then there is the ripple effect that uh, the effect of the impact then radiates outward right? And, and quite honestly, after time, it only goes so far. Do you know what determines how far it goes? The level of impact at the epicenter. The greater the impact in the middle, the greater the effect of, of the ripples outward. The, the visual that I get in my mind and I want to set before you is that the gospel 
is what makes an impact in my life and your life. It is that gospel that I've talked about, lived the life to its fullest in Christ, his church, and his cause. Uh, The gospel impact in my life was never to stop with me. If there's not a ripple effect outside of me, there's something with the impact of the gospel in my life. Uh, it kind of amazes me that this imagery is related in the scripture. I just have a couple scriptures today. Uh, this is not a typical sermon. Um, in Acts 19.10, just one verse, after Paul has come to Ephesus, so remember Ephesus is We've just read from Paul's prayer for the Ephesians that God would do exceedingly abundantly more than they could ever ask or think. But there's this incredible statement in Acts 19.10. After Paul has come and he preached and people are getting saved and the church is established. And it says, and this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. There was such a gospel impact in Ephesus that everyone in that region, there's no indication that Paul went out from Ephesus. What happens? The gospel impacts people and they begin to go out. And all of that region is impacted by the gospel. Uh, The same kind of statement is made of the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 1.8. Uh, Paul makes the same kind of statement. He says, For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia, which was their region, and Achaia, which is beyond their region, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. No, the gospel made an impact in Ephesus and in Thessalonica, and the the ripple effect of that spread out so that there was a gospel impact in all of those people's lives in that region. Um, We're going to talk more about this in the weeks to come, but the gospel is to make an impact in our lives, and uh, as the ripple effect goes out, there are people in our lives that are affected by the gospel because of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. Um, there's people, the ripple effect, you, you realize there's, there's actually a, a stronger impact and effect closer you are to the epicenter, but the people closest to us are affected, and those people out from us. And so uh, there are circles in our lives. I've described this before. Uh, and it is family it's people we work with that we may spend more time with than we do with family Uh, it's friends it's neighbors it's people we go to school with it's people that we do extracurricular activities 
with We have a spiritual responsibility to the people inside our circles to impact their lives with the gospel. If we are not impacting their lives, there is something wrong with the gospel impact in our life. We have to take spiritual responsibility to those in our circles. The reality is then we have to build bridges to those that aren't in our circles. And here's the big picture. Here's, here's the big idea. Here's the God-sized goal uh, for us as a church. Uh, it's the mountaintop. And we have to be careful we don't just see the ground in front of us. We have to understand there's some place we're going. If I had to set before you what I believe is your pastor after much prayer and thought and study and having been here for over 20 years to say, what is it? What is the God-sized vision? What is it that, that you would just go, oh, preacher, no, that's not even possible. The God-sized goal, I believe for the next five years of our church's life, because I, I think there needs to be a time frame on it, is that every one of the eight to 10,000 people in Huntington, Texas would have a relational connection with the gospel. Every person. Uh, and so the visual I get is, I don't even know that we can think Sam Rayburn because maybe that's too large of a body of water. But if you just took one of our ponds and you say, here goes Daryl Smith, the impact in his life, boom, and the ripple effect. And there's a certain number of people that I come in contact with and I'm connected with relationally, however that is, or I build bridges to those people. And then you, you come in and you come in and every person, every person, their gospel, the gospel impact, not just, gospel impact is not a one-time thing. It's a daily, moment-by-moment -moment thing that the gospel is making an impact on my life so that when I encounter people, even random people, inside maybe even my outer circles, my radar says I have a spiritual responsibility to connect the gospel to them. But my, the thought would be that as we all, the gospel makes impact on our lives, that that entire pond, or dare we say Sam Rayburn, there's not any place that doesn't have a spiritual impact with the gospel. And that yes, my circles and your circles would overlap. And there would be many people that would have number of people in their lives that would be relationally connecting the gospel to them. And what I mean relationally connected is that the gospel I've thought a lot about this the gospel is best connected to people relationally the other way we could carry saturate our entire community is we could uh, Robin we could we could do crop dusters and we could get gospel tracks I'm thinking West Texas analogy and we could fly over the piney woods of and we could just drop gospel tracks on everybody. Um, 
and, and we still may do that. But anyhow, we're probably going to get in trouble. But my sense, convictionally, I want to say to you, no, the best way the gospel is shared is relationally, which means that we have to connect with people and we must build bridges to them and to other people. Uh, the God-sized goal is that in the next five years that every one of the eight to 10,000 people in Huntington would have a relational connection with the gospel that we would so give our lives to not only those in our circles but those that quite honestly we've got to expand some circles we got to chunk some rocks in the parts of the lake that none of us are at but that every person would have someone in their life that is living out the gospel is connected to Christ, his church, and his cause, and is living that out daily, that not only has that person articulated that gospel to them, you see, it's not enough for me to say, let's just make sure everyone in Huntington, Texas has heard the gospel from one of our mouths. Because I don't want to go, okay, that person, we can check them off our list because we got that done. No, I want them to have someone in their life that is relationally connected with them, a work associate, a neighbor, uh, someone you do extracurricular with that says, no, I know that person knows Jesus. I see it in the words that they say and the life that they live. And not only have they told me that, and maybe I wasn't ready, but the day when I'm ready, I know who to reach out to because I know that it's real in their life. That every person in Huntington, Texas would have a relational connection to the gospel. That, and then that would have such an impact on Huntington, Texas that the force of that would reverberate out into the world. Who knows where? I want to give you five challenges for us to have maximum impact. And I want to talk about these. And I want you to know that some of these I'm just going to touch on today. Uh, I want you to know in two weeks we will have family conference. And not only will I go more in detail, uh, but you will have opportunity to discuss these. For us as a church, I want to set before you these five challenges. And these are going to be on your sheets you can pick up that make sure we have maximum impact in our area. The first one is what I've been talking about, is that we relationally connect the gospel to people. The gospel is best shared relationally. We as a church not only need to have a greater gospel impact in our community, I believe we as a church have a spiritual responsibility to the people in Huntington, Texas. I believe that will involve us needing to develop more avenues for impact. And yes, you need on a daily basis to take responsibility for those that are in your circle. But from a church standpoint, we have to develop avenues to help you 
reach those that maybe none of us are going to reach and make sure that we've reached everyone. If there is one thing today, this is it. It's, point, it's the reason it's point one. I'm going to talk about some other things, but if there is one takeaway from today, I am telling you that the gospel is to so impact our lives that we must leave this place and begin to relationally connect the gospel to the people that are within our circles. If we do not do that, we will be the church we've always been. And the rest of the things I have to talk about won't really matter. Do not get sidetracked. The one thing that we must focus on in the next five years is that I have a spiritual responsibility to make a gospel impact on the people that are within my circles and even going outside those circles to build bridges to those who none of us are connected to. If we give ourselves to that one thing, God will completely transform our church. I guarantee it. The second thing uh, is that we must develop deeper relational connections within the church. Yes, outside the church, but also within the church. We will talk more about this and we will develop strategies for this in the days to come. We must have a deeper level of relational connection within the body of Christ. The primary mechanism for this will be life groups. Yes, we will relate and connect in probably uh, other ways, uh, but predominantly we will develop deeper relational connections through those that we sit with on a weekly basis and study God's word with. Thirdly, we're getting to the more controversial ones. This is, a, this is the preacher's tactic. We must invest in and empower younger leaders. The day has come as we look to the future that we must begin to hand over the car keys to people that are younger than your pastor. You're going to remember that statement, aren't you? I'm hoping you remember to connect with people when you leave this place. This is something... Not only have I thought about for a couple years and I have been in discussions with the deacons and the staff about. But the reality is of the day that we find ourselves as a church where I find myself. I must change my leadership for us as a church to take it to the level that God wants. I don't have time to delineate that. God is speaking to me very clearly about what that means. 
what I'm saying to you is I must lead differently. If I continue to lead the way I have led, we will be where we are. That's what got us to where we are. I cannot expect for me to continue to lead the way I've led and for us to take it to the next level. I must change my leadership. Part of that involves me and us as a church investing in and empowering younger leaders. This will involve several things. And we will develop strategies in the future's days. I have already started this to some extent, but what I want to say very clearly today is if uh, you can visualize that road and that mountain, We have to decide on what the strategy is to get us from where we are to where that is. Let me be very clear today. That strategy must be filtered through younger leaders. The future is more theirs than it is mine. The strategy for the future must be filtered through their eyes and lives. We will talk more about this in in two weeks, but there will be adjustments and likely expansion to our staff. Um... Not to get super personal today, but Byron is that younger leader on my staff. Now, there are other layers of leadership that I am talking about here. Um, That goes from deacons to life group teachers to all kinds of ministry leaders. Um, But we must invest in and empower young leaders And the best way I can describe it is handing off the car keys. It's their time. And there's no reason for me. I can lay out the vision. And and let me say this. I am positioned to lead the church through this transition. That's why God has me here for this time. That's what I'm about. And my leadership needs to deal with the transition, it needs to lead with the, the bigger picture and less dealing. I'll tell you, if you know Daryl Smith, my eyes are on the road. And in the next five years, my eyes are going to be on the mountain to say, what will it take for us? And some of the things that deal with the road right in front of us need to begin to pass down to those that are younger than me. And this means a lot and We're going to have to work on strategy, but we have to utilize technology, social media. We have to increase our exposure. It is a new and it's a different day, and it is time 
for leaders younger than me to develop that strategy of how we get from where we are to where God wants us to be. Number four, um, in the next five years, as a part of all of this, we need to update and upgrade our facilities. Hey, y'all who've made it this far, sorry to tell you, but our machine that records uh, cut the sermon off a little bit early. Um, if you would like to read at least the rest of the challenges that Brother Darrell laid out for us, you can go to huntingtonfbc.org slash vision 2020, and you can pull up the notes from the sermon and uh, at least get to read the ending there. So we hope you all will, and we look forward to all that God has for us.